Welcome to Theology Meets Life. This is a podcast about theology meeting life. Sometimes we're going to talk about some of the more intellectual, uh, deep things about the Christian faith. And other times, like today, we're going to really focus on the practical side of our faith and how to live out our faith. Today, I have a very special guest on, my friend, Fanu Ibe. And we talk about evangelism and missions and really the call uh, that God has on his life um, to, yeah, to evangelize the people and to share the good news of the gospel and really how we can all follow that as well. Near the end of this podcast, Fanu and I get into a really, really good discussion about how we can do that practically. And I wish we had more time to dig into that more, but I think you're really going to enjoy it. I think you're going to enjoy the entire podcast. So thanks for listening today and hope you enjoy my conversation with Fanu. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I have a very special guest. His name is Fanu, and I spent the last couple of years working with Fanu, uh, planting a village church site in the Oakville area, just uh, on the west side of Toronto. And Fanu has a lot of really interesting experience, uh, you know, advancing the gospel with evangelism, just kind of all over the world. And so I'm super excited to interview him today and super excited for you to hear what he has to say. I think it's going to be really encouraging and beneficial for you. So without further ado, Fanu, welcome to the podcast. It is so good to be on your podcast, Marcus. Uh, wow. Yeah. Amazing that you're doing this. And uh, thank you for the invite to uh, to jump on here and hang out and uh, yeah, hopefully talk to a bunch of people about uh Actually, I don't know what you you know the questions, and I hope I have the answers. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Why don't you just tell everyone a little bit about yourself for those who don't know you, just who you are, your family, where you grew up, a little bit of your story. Sure. Um, so I currently serve as the um, regional director for Village Church in Ontario, and that basically means I've got responsibility to figure out what it looks like to plant uh, village church sites in the province, and uh, as you just mentioned we've got our first site up and running in the Oakville area and uh yeah it was interesting times uh through COVID figuring all of that out but uh really glad to see what God's doing there with that community and uh yeah talking about just personal um my um yeah I'm married to my beautiful wife Trisha we just are celebrating our 10th anniversary tomorrow so wow uh, that's crazy. Um, uh, she's still, she's stuck with me for a decade, bro. So <laughs> that's great. Um, she's had a lot of grace from Jesus to do that. <laughs> and, um, we've got two daughters. Uh, Lauren is four and Catherine is two. And, um, I grew up sort of my origin stories. I was born and raised in, uh, um, the Middle Eastern country called the Kingdom of Bahrain. That's sort of the official title. Um, and, uh, my parents are from South India and they were expat workers in, uh, Bahrain. My dad was there actually for about 28 years. Uh, so most of his life spent, um, uh, in Bahrain working. And, uh, yeah, so I grew up there till I was 18 and then moved to Toronto to go to, um, Canada Christian College, uh, to get my bachelor's in theology. And, uh, yeah, basically being in full-time vocational ministry since I was 19 and I'm 37 now. So it's about 18 years. Uh, and, uh, yeah, loved it, loving it. And, uh, I'm excited that I could just play a small part and be obedient mm-hmm. to God's call in my life. And, uh, yeah, got to and getting to witness um, what he does, you know, uh, how he sort of transforms people's lives. And mm. obviously, we're talking a little bit about evangelism. And so, yeah, all of that, as you know, it's all Jesus. And we just sort of, you know, do what he asks us to do. And it's amazing every time we see God just do his work. So, 
Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing. Uh, maybe we should talk about uh, being married for 10 years and just uh, maybe we should get your Trisha on and just uh, get her experience. Uh, get Trisha on. She, she can tell you what it's like. Me, uh, yeah, yeah. Me It'd be a good, for 10 be a, years. Be a good one. All the life lessons that's taught her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be it. That'd be a good one, maybe. But uh, yeah, like, uh, you know, today, I kind of just want to talk about just, uh, you know, your experience uh, advancing the gospel, really, and just almost as an evangelist. Maybe we can kind of just start with that. You kind of gave us a little bit of a story there about coming over to Canada Christian College and getting your bachelor's there. But maybe talk a little bit about how did you know God was calling you to this work, right to the work of advancing the gospel of evangelism? Was it something you always knew? Was it something that uh, surprised you when you found this out? Did you accept it like gratefully or did you kind of suppress it a little bit? Were you kind of hoping to do something else? I'd be curious just to hear how that all transpired. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll try to be as brief as possible mm-hmm. and, you know, jump in if you want to dive in deeper uh, in sort of any aspect of sort of my story here. Um, or if you just like, Hey bro, just move on. Like we don't really want to hear that too much. <laughs> That, yeah. that's cool as well um you know it's funny right when you talk about your story you're not always sure what's interesting and what's not but at the end of the day it's sort of your story and so um you know it, it's just uh it's just interesting how god sort of works in each of our lives very differently uniquely um to how he's wired us so for me um my first sense of god's call in my life to vocational ministry was when i was when i was 10 years old mm-hmm. and i was in a, a a little like prayer meeting and somebody with uh uh i guess a prophetic gift prayed for me mm-hmm. um and uh, be, uh turned to my parents and said have you uh, has this I, I forget exactly how they said it but it's like have you dedicated this child to be in ministry you know kind mm-hmm. of and my dad was like, no. And because, uh, yeah, he wasn't really involved in that aspect of our lives in, in many ways. But my mom, who was like the prayer warrior at home, right. prayed over us all the time and all of that. She's like, yes. She's like, when he was an infant, um, the story is that she thought she was going to lose me. She literally thought I was going to mm-hmm. die. She's a nurse. And so I had a really bad asthma attack. My dad wasn't home. Long story. But she prayed. She prayed what, you know, you yeah. call the Hannah prayer, I guess. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Lord, if he lives, then I I just dedicate him to serve you for the rest of his life. And so did I accept it? Absolutely not. I was so upset at my mom that that even came up. Like, of course, it didn't mean anything at 10 years old. But just yeah. the fact that someone prayed and asked the question, because then this person said, when my mom said this, they said, you know, when I prayed for him, my sense was that this child has been sort of set apart. That right. there's been like the setting apart in his life. And so, yeah, I was not happy about that. I told my mom, I will never, ever be in ministry, ever be, uh, you know, a preacher, pastor, any of that. Yeah. Um, until, of course, you know, God uh, in a sovereignty start, started working in my life and my heart. So I, I experienced multiple um, uh, illnesses, sicknesses in my, in my sort of teenage years. So for the first few years, my... Uh, the skin on my face, all of it would peel off. And I, my skin basically looked yeah. like, so I'm brown skinned. If you're just listening to this, of mm-hmm. course, uh, but my, my skin would look white and red mm-hmm. all of my face. It was just horrible. And of course I'm in high school when this is happening, which was like yeah. the worst thing ever. And we went to all the doctors we could did all the medical, medical stuff we could, and nothing was helping. Mm-hmm. And um, someone uh, came to our home, a pastor and uh, he saw my face, he knew what was going on. And he said, you know, I'm just going to pray. Like the Bible talks about anointing with oil. So he just asked my mom for some oil and she gave him some, 
you know, whatever, cooking yeah. vegetable oil. And he just prayed for it. Very simple, nothing dramatic. And just said to me, you know, just apply this on your face once a day for a yeah. week and just see what God does, you know, what God does. Thing. and um bro within the third or fourth day like my skin was completely like like you can see it and, yeah, and I, yeah. I, had, I had that condition for like two years so it wasn't like wow. a thing i had i was really struggling with it um so that was like the genesis of this idea of like oh god could be real hmm. and why is this happening for me like why am i experiencing this you know like yeah. why, all of that i started asking those questions and um and during the and well, so right after that, uh, about three months after that, I was just on grade 12 at the time. And I developed uh, a condition where all of my skin sort of broke out into boils and mm. so from my neck all the way down. to yeah. my ankles. And again, not to go into all the details, but I was for all intents and purposes bedridden. Not that my legs yeah. weren't working, but my, my ankles and stuff was so swollen that it hurt a lot even to walk. Yeah. And I would basically lay in bed all day, just, just bawling because of the pain. It was so painful and um, nobody really knew what to do. And I, it's the only time in my life that I moved to India for six months. So I've never actually mm-hmm. lived there except for those six months. And my condition got worse when I was there. Yeah. Why that story is significant is while, so, you know, I'm done grade 12. I told my mom, I will never go to Bible school, never go yeah. do ministry, any, any of that. Um, and all my friends have gone to college and university around the world yeah. and, uh, I'm stuck. I can't do yeah. it, you know, and I, all I can do at that point in my life is pray. Mm. And as I begin to pray, God begins to speak to my heart and from his word about mm. this calling to the nations, this calling to, to tell people about him. So yeah. a, a bit of the, actually, I need to backtrack a little bit. So this yeah. is when I was 17, when I was 15, I had a vision. So it was a particular night. I'll never forget it. It's December 7th, 2000. I'm praying one night. And it wasn't even like I was praying for anything significant or important. I had an exam, I think, the next day. And I was just praying before I went to bed. But it's just like one of those moments where just God's presence just came into that room. It felt like that, like in a tangible way. And I saw this vision. And in the vision, I saw hundreds of thousands of people walking uh, almost like zombies, almost. And they're walking to the edge of a cliff. Right. And it's like, they don't really understand what's going on. And when they get to the last row, they're falling into fire is the vision. Mm, and, yeah. and and the specific part of the vision that was sort of horrifying to me at that point was until they got to the last row, they didn't realize this is what was, was going to happen. Right. And when they did, they were trying to pull back, but there was way too many people behind them. And so then I could literally hear yeah. their the cries, you know, like as they're yeah. falling, like I begin to, so this is the, this is a, this is a huge part of my story. So yeah. this is the first moment I've been in church. I joke since I was the day I was born, like yeah. almost because my parents were so yeah. involved in church, right? I never, ever, ever even thought about there could be people that don't know Jesus yeah. and their eternity is going to be different from mine because I have wow. faith and I need yeah. to do something about it. Like, so think about prayer meetings like literally we, we used to joke about it as kids like we had church every day of the week like right, all, yeah. right? a little bit of a hyperbole but a long yeah, no. and so it's like in all of those prayer meetings and all of that preaching and all of that church stuff nobody ever said that i can remember hey we live in bahrain we live in a muslim nation like yeah. no one here a lot the local people they don't know jesus they don't have a relationship with christ like yeah we should at least pray for them 
Wow. Like, yeah. pray. We would fast and pray for like people to get healed, people to find yeah. healed, people to get married, all this stuff. Yeah. Never had a prayer meeting for lost people. And, and so for me, it was foreign. It was foreign that I was feeling this. Like I'm, I'm literally, bro, I'm like bawling. Yeah. I'm just like tears rolling on my cheeks, praying for these people that I'm seeing in the vision. And it's yeah. never happened, you know, up until that moment. Wow. And so I, I, and, and then in the, mo- in, in the, in the vision, I'm like, somebody tell them, somebody tell them. And then that night in my heart, the Lord speaks to me and says, your life belongs to me. So that's significant because yeah. from the age of 10, from when I first heard that I may have a call on my life, I'd always said to my mother, my life belongs to me. You don't get to make mm. a decision on what I do with the rest of my life. Wow. So that night when the Lord said, your life belongs to me, bro. Like I always say, December 7, 2000 is the wow. day I surrendered my life to Jesus. I didn't know I was going to be a preacher. I didn't know I was going to sure, do anything. Yeah. I just knew that whatever he wanted to do with my life, I was open to that. And so fast forward again now to 17. I'm sick. Yeah. I'm in India for six months. Like I'm, I can't move. I can't wear yeah. I can't put clothes on. I can't leave the house because my body's just like open source oozing. Yeah. Okay. And all I have is prayer. I'm like, right. I go to God in prayer. And what he begins to show me is like, you're called. You're going to the nation. Yeah. You're going to preach. You're going to do this. And bro, you can't even find Bahrain in the world now. Like literally. Yeah, you yeah. Can zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. Because it's a tiny, tiny island yeah. in the Arabian Gulf. So it's like, that's my context of my world. Okay. And then yeah. God's speaking to me about nations. And I'm seeing visions standing in front of thousands of people preaching, people coming to know Jesus, all this stuff. And I'm like, God, I cannot do this. I remember most of my prayer time was just bawling, saying, yeah. you've got the wrong person. I cannot wow. do this. And I'm so sick, I can't even get out of the, yeah. my room, let alone anything else. So again, long story short, it was a six, six crazy months of my life. And then at, towards the end of that six months, I come back to Bahrain. And um, I am like literally bedridden. This is November 2020, uh, sorry, November 2002. And uh, uh, like... Like people from church are coming to my home because I can't go to church. They're coming yeah. to my home to pray for me. They're having like, you know, and 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 my mom is giving me sponge baths because I can't take a shower. I can't. It's just really bad. Yeah. And um, one day uh, my parents had this pastor come to do this little prayer meeting in our living room. And uh, I, I didn't even go into the living room because I couldn't. I couldn't yeah. have a shirt on. And then he came into my room after the, the prayer meeting. And he says, can I specifically lay hands and pray for you? And I said, sure. Mm. And he laid his hands on me. And I was, again, it's nothing dramatic. It's yeah. nothing like crazy. Just simple. Like in the name of Jesus, yeah. I pray for healing, right? Yeah. And I, in that moment, felt like I, all I can explain is like I I I... I held on to a live electrical wire and it's like electricity right. was yeah. flowing in my body. Yeah. And instantaneously, it's the only time I've experienced something like this. Um, like my all the swelling in my body was gone. That's all I can wow. say. And the next oh morning, gosh. like next morning, like the pus stopped oozing, like nothing yeah. is like my body looks different overnight. Yeah. And then within like like literally within weeks, like a couple of months. I'm in Toronto and I'm at Canada Christian College. So, so this is the genesis. And, and yeah. again, there's more to the list yeah. layers of story. So while I'm sick, my brother dies of cancer. So this is where yeah. my theology on healing comes from. It's like yeah. I'm a complete believer in miracles and God yeah. being able to heal. But I also fully recognize that God is completely sovereign yeah. and I don't control God. Um, yeah. through my prayers, but I requested petition him yeah. uh, in supplication, asking him to intervene. Yeah. But I know there are moments he, he chooses because of his sovereignty to yeah. do what's best for all of us. And it's not what we asked for. And that was the case for my brother. So then 
you know, at 17 as well, my younger brother at 12 dies of cancer after a two-year battle with cancer, first funeral service, first coffin, first dead body. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, this is what life is about. Like at the end of the day, that's it. All the stuff he's done, everything he's experienced has, like it matters. It doesn't matter. All that matters right now is what Jesus is saying about him and what he's done with his life for the kingdom. Of course, there's only so much you can do. But my question to myself sitting at that funeral service was, what will I do with the rest of my life? How will I do something so when they dress me up and put me in a box, it won't be the car I drove, it won't be the house I lived in, it won't be all the stuff that I gained in in this world or what people thought about me. It will be what will Jesus say to me in that moment. And for me in that moment, of course, there's a a storyline, right? God's been speaking to me about evangelism and seeing people know him. For me in that moment, it was what I wanted Jesus to be pleased with was how I had communicated his gospel, his love, his mercy his justice all of that to the world some way and and so coming to toronto it was like this is what i'm called to do so i wasn't one of those kids in the bible college like i don't know what i'm gonna do i will figure it out i'll do three years maybe do a master's and then figure out what i'm gonna do it's like from day one i was like started a prayer meeting started getting kids to get young people together to go out and start sharing the gospel and yeah and so that's sort of part of the trajectory the, the the sort of the genesis of yeah passion to reach and uh yeah man that's awesome wow thank you yeah, i knew like some i knew like bits and pieces of that story but i never kind of heard it all put together like that that's just incredible i think there's i mean there's so much there we could talk about if we had a, a lot more time but it just, i think just yeah just like that theme of like just faithfulness to to what god is calling you in those times and, and not even knowing what that you know when you're sick and stuff but it's like you just know like you had this vision on december 7th and you're like i know this is what God is calling me to. And it's like, I don't, I'm just going to pray into it. And I think that's just a huge thing. I think, especially in the West that we can neglect a lot is, you know, actually praying into things and praying into what God is asking us to and being faithful to that. And then, like you said, he's going to be sovereign and he's going to do his will. But it's like you said, praying with supplication and petition that, you know, God show me your will. How can I be a part of it? I think it's just really, really fascinating. Uh, just kind of hearing how that all played out in your life. Let's kind of, kind of talk a little bit about, about that kind of call, right? So you had this call for for the nations, really, right? And so I know you've spent some time preaching in multiple countries and then started this organization called Passion to Reach. Maybe talk a little bit, uh, yeah, just about that, how that started, why you think it's important. Um, I mean, we got a little bit about that in your story there, but, and then why you thought it was important to start an organization like Passion to Reach. Yeah, so I would say, like, one of the things that really frustrated me uh, in those days, so this is 2003, 2004, first coming to Canada Christian College, I would, so I, my clear sense uh, was that I was called to be an evangelist. And that basically meant uh, someone who preaches, but specifically focuses on presenting the gospel in different contexts, in different ways, trying to find ways to communicate the gospel to people. And um, I was really, like, I guess frustrated because I couldn't find many evangelists. I couldn't find mm-hmm. so you know it's funny people say to me in a Canadian context like oh yeah oh yeah they're like eighty year old evangelists now they you know they they, 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 they used to be these <laughs> yeah. guys that were called evangelists that would go across Canada <laughs> yeah revivals they called them revivals yeah revivalists all yeah. kind of stuff right yeah. so I'm like well where are they now where are the catalytic voices in the yeah. church I felt like the pastors were like the the way I communicate this often to make it simple for people is like, I always thought about it like a car dealership. So you have the sales manager and you have the service manager, right? And the service manager's job is like, we've sold 
I don't know, whatever, 5,000 cars. Sure. And we know they need to be serviced every 6,000 kilometers. So yeah. we're just going to give them such great service that they keep coming back to us. Yeah. And that's how we make money. But the sales manager's job is like, I don't even know a lot about like how to service these cars necessarily. My job is to try to sell as many of these cars as possible. And what it yeah. felt like to me was like, we had shut down the sales departments of all of our churches. And we were just focused on the servicing. Cause it's like, we have 300 people. We can barely keep up with all their needs. Let's just focus on doing that well. And my thing was, well, part of the cool thing about the, you know, the sales versus op- uh, operations or service is that, Innovation generally happens in sales because you're constantly trying to find new ways to communicate to potential customers, right? Yeah. The, the service is like, I mean, I have a, you know, a Hyundai or whatever. I, I, they don't have, they have to do nothing to get my business. Mm, I mean, yeah. just give me good service. Sure. As long as they give me good, I'll keep going back because I, I need an oil change. So what am I going to do? Yeah. I, it's, they don't have to try to pitch it to me. Whereas a sales guy, if they're trying to sell me a new Hyundai or, you know, another brand or whatever, it's like they have to try to convince me that I need to pay more money to buy this new car with all these gadgets, whatever. So I was like, we need evangelistic voices. We need people that are not thinking about counseling and marrying and wearing and, you know, all this other stuff and just focused on just saying, Hey, how do we help your church reach new people? And so that was the Genesis of passion to reach. And my heart was like, I just want to come alongside churches to help them do that. So what I did back in the initial days, I was just pretty crazy. I mean, when I think about it now, it's very bold, I suppose. Yeah. Like, you know, I would go up to all the, the, the little country churches, like yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of Toronto, and I would just knock on, literally, I just knock on yeah. doors, walk in, hey, can I just talk to the pastor? And yeah. you know, he's probably like, who is this guy? Like, yeah. you know, I mean, these are like, of course, if you think like from a cultural perspective, <laughs> yeah, brown skin, these are 99%, you know, white communities, of course. And my name is really strange, as you already know. Um, and 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 I come from a place called Bahrain, which at the time nobody in the world seemed to know where this place yeah. was. And 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 I was like, and I was like, hey, I want to work with the churches in this community. Like, can we do something to try to reach new people? And we'll train your people to make invitations, and yeah. we'll come in with a team, and I'll speak, and I'll share the gospel, and then people can come to know Jesus, and then we'll give you the cards, and we'll help you follow up. And so that's what we started doing. So I, yeah. you know, go to all these small towns and start communicating. And it wasn't like, you know, I mean, the crowds were probably two or 300 people maybe at the time. And, you know, there'd be like four or five new people coming to at least professing at the, at that point yeah. to make a, you know, a confession of faith in Jesus and all yeah. of that. And so that's how it started. And then, um, and then frankly, and this is sort of, you know, it's sort of sad. It was an exciting season of my life, but it was the reason that it happened or how it happened is sort of sad. I, the challenge I found is like, like people that were donating to our ministry at the time, they were more excited about like a thousand people in Africa than they were about 200 people in, you know, I don't know, in, in Owen Sound, Ontario. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was just a, so, and, and I don't know how, but people started hearing about these meetings that we were doing here and invitations started coming from these countries. Hey, can you come and do these meetings there? And of course, when you get there, like I shared my Brazil story, which is the first yeah. place uh, at village a couple of months ago i mean thousands and yeah. thousands of people like yeah. just be more than you can imagine in front of your eyes it's like yeah. wow. and you get to communicate the gospel to these people and so many of them are open wow. uh, to hearing and receiving and and becoming followers of jesus and so that sort of set the trajectory of global so i think we did 20 20 ish countries wow. in seven years you know and uh yeah it was a very very exciting season of of ministry um yeah 
Wow. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. One thing you said kind of was a great segue into our next question. So you were talking about how, um, you know, you were kind of frustrated with people like, yeah, like the 80 year old guy is the evangelist. He used to do that. He used to go to all these countries or, or in his own neighborhood type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're kind of dealing with a little bit of a different thing now with like talking about like the next generation, right? So like Gen Z. Um, so I want you, I want you actually to address this question. I'm curious what your thoughts are about it. So like Gen Z, for those who don't know, is like, I don't know, people who are born like 97, 98 up until, I don't know, 2010, something like that. So 26, 25, 24 and under type of thing. Um, so the Barna group, which is, uh, you know, a group that does a lot of studies um, about the church in the West and in America and in Canada and stuff like that. Uh, I think it was like 2019, 2018, they did this study. They found that actually about 50% of Gen Z actually think it's morally wrong to evangelize. And these are Gen Z Christians, right? These are not just like not believers. These are Christians who are of this age who actually, they don't even think it's just, you shouldn't do it, but it's actually morally wrong Mm -hmm. to do it. Right. So I would love to hear you comment on that and kind of speak to the next generation um, just about the importance of evangelism and um, even, yeah, why it's maybe not, why it's not wrong. Right. Cause it's not even like, it's not even like, they're not even just talking like it's wrong to go to other countries. They're talking like it's wrong to even tell your friends, Hey, do you, have you heard, you know, the gospel yeah. type of thing. Right. I would love for you to address that. Yeah. I mean, that is, uh, man, that is not a, you know, 60 second answer. Right. Because there's, sure, there's a yeah. lot of Christian cultural yeah. um, uh, messaging that has gone on for, I think a few decades yeah. that sort of brings it, to that point, I mean, I use the I use the analogy of a car dealership, right? And of course, in light of this question, that's a very, very, very bad, inappropriate analogy because there, you know, it's like you're just trying to convince somebody that your brand of car is better than their brand. Yeah. Of car. But yeah. Realistically, it's not a moral thing. It's not a right or wrong thing. It's it's not even a it's not even a life or death thing or it's none of that, right? It's sure, just yeah. basically a consumer choice of what feels better. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about when we talk yeah. about the gospel, right? I think part of what we've done is we've not highlighted, if you think from a marketing perspective, we haven't highlighted the life transformation that we're actually talking about. Like we're not talking about somebody was a Muslim, right? Or a Hindu or an atheist, let's say. Right, uh, or agnostic, or whatever, and 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 they now follow Jesus, and it's like, yeah, I I didn't mind being, you know, an atheist or an agnostic or whatever, and this is definitely a few degrees better following Jesus and and following the Bible and stuff. That's not what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Of course, eternally, we're talking about like the vision I had, and this is why if people people ask me all that, why are you so passionate? Why are you so driven? Why, the guys. I had a vision of like what I believe eternally what we're talking about here. We're talking about separation from a relationship with God. So I'm not saying that's popular. I'm not saying that acceptable. that's acceptable to the average, you know, hopefully it's acceptable to the average Christian that this yeah. is the biblical narrative, but, but definitely not culturally popular necessarily yeah. today uh, to say that there is an eternal uh, yeah. hell and eternal heaven and that, um, that Jesus is the answer to eternal yeah. relationship and, you know, in God's presence. Yeah, yeah. But that is, a, that is the, that is the biblical truth. That's a biblical reality. But yeah. secondarily, we're also not talking about like, Oh, this is a preferred way of living. We're talking about people like I, you know, I shared the story, I think months ago about my mother-in-law. Let's just use it as an example, simple example. Okay. So here's a woman who is an alcoholic, yeah. bro, an alcoholic for like 15 years of her life. Right. Like they're, they're my, my wife's family were Hindus. 
So they served idols. And my wife says to me, you know, as kids, when they would go and worship these, these idols of gold and stone and stuff, she's like, I don't even know it because they don't talk back to me. There's no relationship. I don't know why yeah. I do this, whatever. But, but beyond that, it's like their lives are, are just a disaster. It's like, the, you know, and, and so my mother-in-law literally leaves the country because of alcoholism, abandons her family for like 10 or 12 years or something. Yeah. And eventually she comes back um and was worse off than she when she left um and and she long story short she comes to faith in jesus and someone prays for her and she is delivered instantaneously right and it's like you look at her like like her family who are still not christians just to be clear they're still not christians okay they look at her and they're like the only reason we are compelled to even want to explore christianity is looking at your life because this isn't like you know, like, you know, Toyota versus Honda. This is like, you know, I am on the side of the road stranded and I will die because I don't know how to get out of this situation we're in. And somebody sends me a vehicle to rescue me. Like, this is what we're talking about. Right. And, and I think there is that element of like, Hey, there is a, there is a transformative power in Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the gospel message itself that changes people's lives and transforms people's yeah. lives and frees them from addiction and gives them, you know, like Billy Graham famously yeah, yeah. talked about peace with God. Like the yeah. number of people yeah. that are experiencing, yeah. um, you know, addiction, depression, all of yeah. those things, like the gospel brings answers to that. And again, I want to be careful, you know, I'm not saying there aren't physical reasons, chemical reasons, yeah, yeah. you can get treatment. And that's not my point, oh, but there are so many people that live without hope yeah. And make really poor choices because of that, because ultimately there is nothing beyond this life for them. And the gospel yeah. comes in and it opens yeah. up a completely different paradigm of yeah. what life ought to be like. And it changes the actual essence of how they live their lives. Yeah. You know, that's what I see so in my in my mother-in-law as yeah. an example. And 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 thousands of people. I know so I can give you story after story yeah. after story of people that would say, My life is completely yeah. Not just better, but better in a different plane, a different category of better um, since I've come to know Jesus. And I just think there's a bit of it that the church needs to communicate Mm -hmm. those Mm -hmm. stories. So people, Christians, Christian young people don't look at it as I'm trying to sell you a different brand of something. And you seem pretty happy with your brand of whatever it is. They shouldn't force my brand on you. It it isn't that. It is actual rescue eternally yeah. and transformation yeah. today uh, in your life that, that, that we're talking about. And of course, I think part of the challenge we face, frankly, and this is why if we're honest about the evangelism conversation, you know, when you go to uh, a country in another part of the world, yeah. not as well off as we are in Canada or America and the Western world, um, there aren't a lot of things to mask yeah. the reality of the pain they're feeling and facing. Yeah. Right? And, and we do. And so there is that element of like the average Christian doesn't yeah. see necessarily if you on the surface, right. Yeah. The, the challenges that the average person's facing, because we have uh, so many ways to yeah. mask uh, the yeah. brokenness that we experience. Yeah. But what I would challenge Christians with is enter into the lives of people mm-hmm. enter into relationships like deep yeah. relationships where you actually get to know people and then yeah. you'll find that sort of universal people ask me all the time what makes a good evangelist 
It's knowing yeah. that this is a universal thing. Yeah. The emptiness on the inside, you listen, 20, 20 something countries, I'm telling you, I mean, most of those countries, I need translators. So culturally, yeah. I don't even fully understand them. Yeah. But what made me effective is I truly believed that each of us has, you know, sort of cliche term, a God-sized yeah. soul in our hearts, right? Yeah. Each of us faces, experiences emptiness yeah. without a relationship with our maker. And, yeah. you know, I preached on this uh, a couple of months ago at Village uh, about purpose and identity. Yeah. It's like, man, I've talked to so many people and they'll say that over and over and over again, how mm. lost they feel, how alone yeah. they feel, how hopeless they feel. Uh, when they face life circumstances yeah. without a sense of relationship with God yeah. and connection to God. And, and that connection only comes in Jesus, right? Because of course yeah. you can, you, and a lot of people will start at that initial step of connection with God generic. Yeah. And then you start studying and exploring the different religions and faiths. And then you find out that actually what they all tell you is you need to figure out how to do this. You need to yeah. figure out how to become better and become yeah. good. God and you know I have sort of the unique privilege of like being from my parents being from India so I understand yeah. Indian culture and of course Hinduism and Buddhism and Jainism starts in yeah. India Sikhism yeah. starts in India so yeah. that's billions of people in the world and then I grew up in a Muslim country so I understand Islam and you know sort of a lot yeah. of the, the tenets of that faith yeah. and it's all the same at the yeah. at the end of the day it is like you need to be good you need to do this pilgrimage you need to offer this money you need to do yeah. these things and maybe in all of them, they say the same thing. Maybe yeah. you will have eternal life or you will have some hope of yeah. something better after this life. Christianity yeah. is the only uh, faith that says in Jesus, it is given to you as a free gift. Guaranteed. Wow. It's not based on you. It's based on him. And uh, I think that is so important that people yeah. understand that communicating that transforms people's lives. And, and a bit of this is, like, listen, when I communicate the gospel, there are so many people that reject it. So I'm not, I'm not saying yeah, yeah. that you won't face rejection. And of yeah. course, that's one reason we don't communicate is because we're like, oh man, I'm going to feel rejected. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, I'm being obedient in wanting yeah. to share yeah. people. And I've seen so many, so many, so many lives transformed. Yeah. yeah that's why I do it. Man, that is awesome. I know you got to get going. So we'll, uh, bring it to an end here but yeah that was a great kind of last word to stand it off so yeah go out get into the lives of people you know be there walk through life with them you know share with them the truth of christ and the grace of christ and of the free gift uh fanu thank you so much for being on today and just sharing your experience and encouraging people i, I was very encouraged by it. and so many other questions i had i wish you had more time but uh yeah thanks so much this was great marcus thank you so much for having me Good all time. right everyone take care have a great rest of your day